Well, good morning, church. If you guys would, just go ahead and stand with us uh, while we get ready for worship. Turn around, tell somebody that you're happy to see them this morning. Yeah. 
Well, good morning. You guys sound awesome. That is awesome singing. We want to welcome you to Burlington Baptist Church this morning. We've got a bunch of exciting announcements. One of those being uh, Kids Rock is going to start back on the 10th, and it's going to be a little bit different than we normally have, but that's coming up. Um, as you can see on the slide, the women's ministry is, uh, they're, they're starting or they have started. I can't remember. This week. This week. Thank you. And they're also having a game night, family game night on March 27th. There's no sign-up sheet, so you guys just come on out, bring your favorite game, bring your family. Um, I don't know how competitive you are, but there'll probably be some competitive people there. So just come, just come on out, and uh, it'll be a good time. And um, the marriage group has started already last week. They're meeting every Sunday at 6, and um, they're planning a retreat in May, the 14th through the 16th. Um, so if you are married, if you are engaged, um, no matter how long, uh, come on out to that. They would love to have you. It's a good time. They eat real good. So come on out for that. And uh, Brother Brad's going to read a scripture, and he's got some announcements for us as well. Danny said, y'all sound great, but don't these guys sound great too? Yeah, awesome, awesome. I'm Brad Rathbun. Uh, I'm heading up the men's discipleship program. Uh, we're kind of winding up this week with registrations. We're going to culminate that with a men's breakfast this Saturday at 8.30 a.m. <laughs> over in the Activity Center. Uh, so we invite all you men to come out and join us with that. We'll have some computers there so you can get signed up. Or you can go out, go to the church website. Um, we have four groups, so you can pick whatever group you want to be in and register with the church. Uh, we have a Sunday morning 7 a.m. group, a 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning, and then a Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m., and then a couple of groups uh, Wednesday evening at 6.30. And that may change to 7 to kind of coincide with the women's uh, program, but the uh, response has been great. I I've just been overwhelmed by the amount of guys that have been signing up. So... Um, Come on out. Um, again, get registered with the church, and it's a two-part registration. You'll register with the church first, and then they will inform me. I will send you an email where you will register with Christian Leadership Concepts, who is providing the material. So I will give you all the details to do that. And uh, we get you uh, signed up, and we're probably going to kick off about two weeks uh, from today. We'll get the program started. Our scripture this morning is from 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And it says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is, a, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can come into your house this morning and worship you, Lord, and you deserve every bit of praise that we can raise up to you. 
we're grateful that you are a loving God. And as Peter said, Lord, you don't want to lose one of us. And that is why you are so patient. But as he said also, Lord, that your patience will come to an end someday and judgment will come. We pr pray that your words, Lord, and the words that Harold brings to you uh, this morning will penetrate any unbelieving heart, Lord, and will lead these people to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen. So you know a church likes to eat. I was laughing. Brad made sure that he emphasized a.m. Uh, he said 8 o'clock p.m. And I, it's funny because nobody even batted an eye. They're like, yeah, I'll eat breakfast at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. But stay back up with us. <laughs> Moving in. 
see it, you work. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. We make a miracle work. Uh, so this is a song that Josh started singing uh, at our Studio 3 on Friday nights. And I just fell in love with it. I think we all kind of did. It's just got such a wonderful, a wonderful message to it um, that this morning, especially with it being gloomy outside. We want you to be wide awake for Jesus. So we're going to sing this song. Back. 
Thank you, praise team. I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 19. Probably don't need the table of context. It's the last few pages in the Bible. We're doing a series called Turning Our Eyes Upon Jesus. We know when we look to Jesus that He changes lives. This morning we're going to look at Jesus as our coming bridegroom. In the next several weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to look at different pictures of Jesus. Uh, this morning, our coming bridegroom, Jesus as prophet, priest, king, savior, and risen Lord. Really excited about that. Uh, we'll pick up this morning in Revelation chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Uh, I invite you to stand, and we'll honor God's word together. We're going to talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. I, I enjoyed last week just talking about the gentle and lowly heart of Jesus, and uh, I love this one as well. Uh, John is writing the book of Revelation, and he says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge this morning that this is the true word from you. We want to worship Jesus. We want him to be high and lifted up. We pray that uh, your spirit might help us this morning to understand what John sees. Uh, as we think about the coming of Jesus to get his bride, I pray that uh, this will become a reality to some this morning, that they will be a part of the bride of Christ, awaiting the bridegroom. And uh, Lord, we'll give you praise for uh, all that you accomplish in these next few minutes. Uh, we love you and we need you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to jump into verse 6, but I, I hate to pass up this hallelujah chorus in these first few verses. And so uh, this chapter begins with, John says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, and they're crying out, Hallelujah! Now, hallelujah means praise, and 
Yah is God, and so it's praise Yahweh or praise to the Lord. And uh, praise Him for His salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And, uh, and then notice down in verse 3, once more they cried out, Hallelujah! And the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And so this is really the picture of the, the praise and worship. And that kind of praise and worship should be abounding from our churches. Amen. And so if you feel like saying an amen or a hallelujah, just know that's a good biblical word. They're singing it in heaven, and we're invited to join them. I, I told her, I, I feel like sometimes the church is losing her amens and hallelujahs. Listen, don't let that be the case here at this church. We have much to praise God for and to say amen to. And so the, the heavenly chorus isn't finished. Verse 6, John says, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, deafening, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. And so the crashing of the thunder, you know what I'm talking about. And they're crying out. They're not being quiet about this. They're crying out, hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. The Almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful God reigns. And listen, church, our God is worthy of praise because He is the sovereign Lord over all things. Verse 7 says, let us rejoice, exult, give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Now, we know that the New Testament compares the relationship between Christ and His church with that of a bride and a groom. And uh, we know who the groom is. The groom is the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who's the bride? Yeah, the church. The church is the bride. The believers is the, the bride. And, uh, and so to help us understand this analogy, it's helpful to understand the traditions of the ancient Near East, including the Jews. Uh, much different than our 21st century traditions. Uh, in our tradition now is uh, we have a wedding. Uh, we have a single celebration. We call it the wedding day, and we have the, the ceremony, and we have the reception, and it's done. But that's not the case in, in uh, Jewish times. Uh, the Jewish marriage consisted of three stages, and they extended over a period of time. And uh, <clears throat> they were most often arranged by the parents. And the, the groom had to uh, give the girl's father uh, a dowry, a mohar, uh, a dowry for his daughter, but I'm going to share these three stages. I want you to think about them. The first stage was the betrothal. We call it the engagement. Uh, but the betrothal was uh, very official. It was legally binding, uh, sealed with the contract. And so you were considered legally married even though you didn't live together. And so Joseph was betrothed to, to Mary. And so when he thought she was unfaithful, he, he would have had to give her a right of divorce to separate from her because that's the binding nature of the betrothal. 
So first we have the betrothal, and then we have the, the second stage is what they call the preparation. And the groom would go, <clears throat> usually to his father's house, and begin to prepare a place for the, the couple to live. And uh, once the, the preparations had been made, however long that took, the, the groom would leave his house with his attendants, and they would go to the house of the, the bride, and her bridesmaids would be there, and he would pick up his bride and the party and take them back and present them uh, to, to, the, to the family and, and uh, at the ceremony. So the second is the presentation. And then the third stage, the most significant, was the actual ceremony. And the bride would be presented, the vows would be exchanged, uh, there would be a time of celebration, and they called that the wedding supper, the wedding supper. And sometimes the wedding supper lasted several days, it all depended on wealth. If you had plenty of wealth and you could feed and, and provide food and drinks for people, you, you might extend it for several days, uh, the celebration. I believe that these uh, wedding stages Preparations help us understand our saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, we were betrothed to Jesus uh, when we're saved. We're, we're betrothed. We're brought together. We're joined together. We're to be faithful to Him as He is faithful to us. Now you might say, preacher, where do you get that word for that? Well, uh, glad you asked. Second Corinthians uh, chapter eleven. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 speaks of our betrothal or our engagement of the church to Christ. Paul says, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Paul's writing to the church. He says, I'm, I'm jealous for you since I betrothed you. I joined you, church, to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. And so uh, John MacArthur points out, uh, makes this point. He says the church's betrothal contract was signed in eternity past when the father promised the son a redeemed people and wrote their names in the book of life. Now that's pretty good. The Bible teaches that the father chose a bride, the church, for his son. I tell people sometimes if you're saved, you ought to just pinch yourself. At that thought, that the Father, the creator of the world, chose you to be a bride for his son. Isn't that pretty amazing? Anybody think you ought to say hallelujah to that? That God the Father would choose you to be for his, I mean, and, and by the way, Jesus said in John 6, 37, that all that the Father gives me, they're all going to come. In verse 39, he says, I'm not going to lose any of them. I'm going to raise them up in the last day. And so, uh, G and by the listen, Jesus came to pay a price, a payment, a ransom for the bride, a dowry. And it cost him his life. He shed his blood to purchase us as his bride. John 14 is one of my favorite passages. I use it a lot in funerals. Uh, but in chapter 13, Jesus is, basically tells the disciples, I'm going to die. And I'm going to go away, and you can't come with me. And they're like, oh, no. When it comes to chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But verse 2, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms or 
dwelling places or mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the second stage of, of the wedding, that Jesus is gone now to prepare a place. He is now at the Father's house preparing a place for us. I believe his second coming is going to be when he comes back. And so he's going to come back. I believe it's going to be at the rapture. He's going to come back and get his bride, the, the church, and he's going to take us before the Father and present us to the Father. I think that's going to take seven years. I think that's during the tribulation. And at the end of those seven glorious years, the time will come for the wedding ceremony and then this final union between the bridegroom, Jesus, and his bride, the church, and we will be forever together. And this will be marked by this celebration called the, 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 the marriage supper of the Lamb in verse 9. And I believe that this marriage celebration is going to stretch through the millennial kingdom. That's a thousand years. And you'll say, why in the world would you? I mean, that's a little far-fetched, preacher. Why would you think it's a thousand years? Well, Brad read a verse, 2 Peter 3, 8, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. But, but even more importantly, I want you to think about the price that Jesus paid for his bride. Jesus gave his life. Jesus shed his blood. There's never been a price like that paid. God gave his life to purchase us. And if you think about it like that, a thousand years sounds pretty appropriate, doesn't it? Verse 7 says, The marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. And so let me just share three parts of this uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. <clears throat> First of all, the adornment of the bride and uh, listen I've done lots of weddings and I've never seen a bride who had not made herself ready I'm talking about the hair and the makeup and the nails and everything they they spend lots of time and money and it's important important in it one day the church all the believers and Jesus Christ will be presented to Christ as a beautifully adorned bride <clears throat> Verse 8 says, It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now, the customs of the Roman world, and we read the same with Christ, but there is two garments. There's the inner garment called the tunic, and then there's an outer, more uh, loose-fitting garment called the toga, the tunic and the toga. I believe that the bride of Christ is going to have on two layers on the wedding day. The inner garment comes from Christ, and the outer garment is a kind of weaving of our works. Weaving of our works. Uh, I think maybe, Sarah, this might help you. Sarah asked me about uh, if we're saved all by faith, and then what do we do to please God? I, I think this is where our... Uh, activities, our faithfulness comes into play. But we receive this inner garment of righteousness through justification by faith. And so uh, when we're saved, God gives us the righteousness of Jesus as a gift. And you remember when we talked about justification at Christmas? Y'all don't remember that. But anyway, what happened is we took our sin and we gave it to Jesus 
And he took his righteousness and he imputed it to our account. And so what, that's what happens when we get saved. He gives us a new heart and he takes away our sin. He gives us the righteousness of Christ. And so that's where our inner, inner beauty comes from. We're clothed with the righteous. When the Father sees us, he sees us as righteous just like Jesus. Our outer garments are related, I think, to our sanctification. Now, that's a big word, but that just describes the work that God does in our lives to conform us more and more into the image of His Son, Jesus. He is making us look more like Jesus. You might wonder where we get that. Well, Ephesians chapter 5, we're familiar with verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. But Paul goes on in verse 26 that He might sanctify her the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. That, that's where we, we get in the Word, and we're sanctified through the Word. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That he might sanctify her, so that he might present her to himself without spot or blemish. And so the scriptures really give us two types of righteousness. There's a positional righteousness. Uh, we are in Christ. Uh, this is the righteousness that we get from the Lord. And so when we're saved, we're Christ in us, we're in Christ, we're clothed in his righteousness. We, we stand righteous before God positionally. But then also there's this practical righteousness. And we have that righteousness through our obedience to the commands of, of God in the Scriptures. W.A. Criswell helps us here. He says the inner garment is something that Christ bestows on us when he washes our sins away, when we wash our robes, our sows, and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now that's a reference to Revelation 7, 14, when it talks about we, we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. That, that's our inner garment. But there is also an outer garment that we shall wear, which is woven by our own hands and is made up of all those things we have sought to do and pray to do for our blessed Jesus. So in verse 8, it says, It was granted her the church, it was granted her by God to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So back to the end of verse 7. His bride has made herself ready. Well, when did she make herself ready? Uh, when did she put on these fine linen garments? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 says, For we must all, again, this is to the church, and so as believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so this is a time where we're going to stand before God, but this is different than the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20. You don't want to be there. That's the judgment for unbelievers. 
This is the, the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat it calls sometimes. This is talking about all the believers. We will stand before Christ and we will receive the things that, or we will receive the rewards for what we did in the body, whether good or, good or evil. Now, this is a rewards judgment. We're not being judged for our sins. Jesus took care of that on the cross, didn't he? We, we will never stand in judgment for our sins. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so there's another time for a hallelujah. We don't have to answer for our sins because Jesus answered for our sins. But here's what Paul, Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 3. And we're going a little deep this morning, and you might need to go back and watch this and write all this down and think about it and, and maybe send some questions in to our two-by-two two podcast, and we'll let Danny answer them tomorrow or Tuesday. <laughs> but uh, Paul says this, let no one, uh, this is verse 11, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We know that. But we, we get a build on that foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, those are good materials, Wood, hay, straw, each one's work will manif become manifest for the day will disclose it. This is the day when the Lord comes back. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so the day is going to reveal it. In other words, our works and our deeds, they don't save us. Make sure we get this. This is not about being saved. They don't save us, but we will stand before God and our works will be tested as by fire. And if our works are of wood and hay and straw, they're going to be burned up. But if our works are gold and silver and precious stones, I, I think that part of the reward is that they'll provide beautiful wedding garments so that we can wear when we are presented before the Lamb. That seems to fit with verse 7, the bride made herself ready. And so I don't know exactly... Uh, what the judgment seat of Christ is going to be like. I'm just trying to think about how the pieces of the puzzle might fit together. And as I think about that, I, I think about some of me, you guys, and uh, some of the, the folks that I've had the privilege of serving with over the years, and, and I think some of you are going to have some beautiful garments. And, and the reason I think that is just because you give God your best. And you live lives surrendered to Jesus. You... You strive to walk in the Spirit. You're humble. You, you're faithful. And, and I say, praise God. Keep going. Keep serving. Keep living for His glory. And I, 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 some of you are just going to be beautifully adorned because of your faithfulness. And God doesn't miss it. And then I think about some in the church, and I think, man, they, they're going to be half-dressed before the Lord. Yeah, I mean, verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 3, if anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, I know some people joke about this, but they'll say, listen, I don't care if I just get a shack in heaven. 
just as long as I'm there. And, I, and, and listen, for that part, I agree. I, I'd rather be there than Revelation chapter 20. So I get that, but, but I don't get it. Can you imagine your wedding day showing up half-dressed and not caring about what you look like on your wedding day? No, no bride who ever loved her husband just said, whatever. That'd be a bad way to start, wouldn't it? Listen, church, we are going to stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. The, I mean, we're going to stand before the one who loved us so much that he allowed men to drive nails in his hands and his feet, and he hung on a cruel, violent cross. He suffered all of that just to pay the ransom for hell-deserving souls. He would do all that for a sinner like you and I. I just want you to know, maybe just to be reminded that Jesus is worth the very best that we have. And some of you ought to stop giving him your crap. Because he deserves better. Amen? For what he has done for us, we ought to give him our best. And some of you need to repent today. For not caring about what you're going to look like when you stand before Jesus. I mean, Paul regularly pleaded with the church. He, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Paul saying, church, just keep going. Even when it's hard, keep going, because everything you do, it matters. I want to say that to some of you this morning. Be steadfast and movable, knowing that, that your service in the name of Jesus matters. And listen, give God your best and stand before Him, having made yourself ready with these beautiful garments. And listen, we, we might enjoy those garments forever. That, that's the adornment of the bride. The second thing I want you to notice is the attendees of the marriage supper. Verse 9 says, And the, and the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so this is a wedding, and just like our weddings, there are guests, and there's invitations. Who, who, are the, who are the guests? Who are the attendees? Well, it's not the bride. We're in the wedding. We're the bride. I believe the guests are the Old Testament saints. You see, there's a little distinction in the Scriptures between the, the Old Testament saints and those who are saved during the church age we we live in the church age god is saving people bringing them into the church and the the old testament saints were never referred to as the bride of christ right i couldn't i don't think they are and uh, matter of fact isaiah and uh, ezekiel and and hosea old testament israel is referred to as the wife of jehovah and he has to put her away because of her unfaithfulness and so I believe that the attendees at the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be the Old Testament saints. It includes all the heroes of the faith that we have, all, all those in Hebrews chapter 11. I think they're going to be the guests. Even John the Baptist, uh, who's considered the greatest of all the Old Testament believers. Uh, Jesus said, uh, he's described in John 3, 29 as the, the friend of the bridegroom. Now that's, a, that's pretty cool, isn't it? We, we like to be the friend of the, y'all with me? He's a friend. Uh, but I think that helps us understand what Jesus meant in Luke 7, 28. He says, for I say to you, 
among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And so, church, I want you to see this. We are greater in privilege than John because we are a part of the bride of Christ. Oh, he's going to be invited, but we're part of the bride. And uh, John was great, and, uh, but he's coming as a guest along with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Daniel, Moses. They're, they're all going to be there, and they're all going to have their own privileges as guests. And so we got the bride adorned, we got the, the guests that are present, and then I'm going to point out the most important thing this morning, and that is the arrival of the bridegroom. Anybody excited? Let us rejoice, verse 7, and exult. Give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Now, at most weddings, uh, we, we sing, here comes the bride. And you all know all the, the pomp and circumstance with the, with the bride coming, but, but not this one. And so I just, I like to point this out. In our weddings, we make the groom come out the side door. And uh, he just kind of shows up with the preacher, and uh, he gets all dressed up, and then he just comes right here and stands and, and looks dumb for a few minutes. <laughs> and and listen, no nobody when nobody stands up, no they look nobody. T- listen, what they do is they look at their watch to make sure he's on time, and they yawn. That's what happens. But the bride is a whole different. I mean, the doors open, and everybody stands up, and there's a special song, and and the pictures, and you you know what? But uh, but heaven, it's all about the bridegroom. And you say, why is that? Because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Verse 7, let us rejoice and give him glory. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Listen, I love the wedding imagery that Scripture gives for our relationship with Christ. And I'm so thankful that I'm already a part of Jesus' bride, the church. And uh, he is my Lord. And, and Paul says that nothing can separate me from his love. Hallelujah. That's what it says. Nothing can separate us. And so I'm looking forward to the day of his return when he calls me, and I, either from life or from the grave, he calls me to be with him, to meet him in the sky, and I'll be forever with the Lord, and he's going to take me to his father's house. And listen, I look forward to Jesus setting up his kingdom here on earth. And it says that he's going to return with his bride for that thousand years. Let me finish this up, verse 10. I fell down, verse 10, at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant. This is the angel that's telling John all this. And I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit. Listen, John got so caught up that uh, he didn't know what he was doing. He tried to worship the angel, and don't do that. Just a couple quick points. for Revere Christ alone. I mean, love your pastor, love your teachers, love, but... But worship Christ only. And in the, the last set, just remember Christ's assertion. You know, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was able to celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples. You remember that? And he just said, I've longed to, to celebrate this with you. He said this, Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I think that passage is a reference to the marriage supper 
And uh, Jesus will eat and drink with us as his bride. And we'll gather at the table of the Lord and, and we'll eat bread and whatever drink he has. It'll be a heavenly banquet. Church, here's the question. Will you be there? Will you be there? The, the wedding supper and the, these promises are only for those who are part of the bride of Christ. These are the believers, the, the followers of Jesus. Now listen, I just want you to know I'm, I'm going to be there. My reservation is secured in Jesus Christ. And it's secured through faith in Jesus. And so are you part of the bride of Christ? And if you say, well, I don't, I, I don't know. How, how do I know? Listen, if you, have you repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ? Him alone. Have you turned from your sins? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation? And if not, would you be saved today? Won't you stand with me for just a moment? Listen, we're going to pray and I'm going to invite you to be a part of the bride of Christ. Let's pray. Father, this is such a beautiful chapter. We hear the, the heavenly chorus of hallelujahs and amen. And Lord, when we think about our salvation, we, we want to praise you and to know that Jesus came to, to purchase us, to, to pay the ransom, to provide a, a dowry. Lord, just... Just think about this marriage supper. And Father, I recognize that there are some maybe listening online or some in this room who they're not going to be at the wedding. Some have been blinded. Lord, I pray today you might open blind eyes. That some might hear the invitation to, to come and believe upon Jesus and be saved and be a part of your eternal bride. Lord, we want to, we want to add to the, to the bride today. And, and Father, I fear that maybe some are going to be half-dressed on the, the day they meet you. And so I invite your spirit to to lead some to repentance. Lord, we want to be beautifully adorned. We want to give you our best because you gave us your best. And so take this invitation, Father, and add to your kingdom, and we'll give you all the hallelujahs and praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I just want to ask you if you want to be saved today, I'd love to talk to you about being a part of the bride of Christ and then I just want to invite you just to, to evaluate what you're building with and if you evaluate it and it's wood and hay and straw I, man repent of that and give God your best and grow in obedience and purity and godliness but first and foremost make sure you're part of the bride through faith in Jesus. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. And I invite you to respond this morning. I heard
Amen. I heard some hallelujahs out there. Sounds good. You know, uh, 
Did I tell you my one got saved last week? Did I tell you that? Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, he came down this morning, and uh, so I'm excited. I, I want you to continue to pray for your ones. Uh, Sarah and Amy are going to get baptized next Sunday during the second service, so come back for that. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to preach another sermon, but uh, Jesus gave a parable about uh, the groom, the bridegroom coming when the bridesmaids weren't ready. You remember that? Listen, he could come back anytime. And so if, you're, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen, call me. I'd love to talk to you about what that means, and uh, I want to help you. Listen, he could come back this week. Y'all, anybody believe Jesus could come back sometime? Yeah. He, he's ready to come get his bride, and uh, you've you got to be ready. Uh, if you don't believe me, read Revelation chapter 20 about that great white throne. We're not going to get to that, but it's real. And so uh, I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. Danny, I'll let you close for us this morning. Just, uh, just I have the normal stuff. Uh, the dollar club is the clear boxes on your way out. And the offering box, if you couldn't find them, are the black ones labeled offering. So uh, those, are out there. <laughs> those are out there on your way out of church. Uh, the deacons will let us um, we'll kind of excuse everybody, but let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, we just thank you for being involved and, and, and being able to be involved in, in the wedding ceremony, Lord, that you're going to come and get your bride, and that's awesome. And we're excited about that day, Lord. Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to spread the gospel so that other people can be ready too. And we just thank you for the, for the growth that you're showing our church. Lord, we just thank you so much for that. And, and we want you to, um, to bless us and, and help us be responsible with that growth, Lord, and lead those people in the right direction. We thank you for these discipleship programs that we have started, Lord. just so awesome to see how you're moving. We ask you to continue to do that. Be with us this week and help us to get opportunities to share the gospel with someone. And Lord, help us to have the knowledge to recognize those opportunities before they pass us by. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.